One of the things I find most poignant in this story of Lazarus is how frank it is about the fact that death stinks. Figuratively, of course, death is terrible. Death is tragedy. Death stinks. But literally also, Jesus suggests they open the tomb and Martha, always the pragmatic one, suggests that that may not be a good idea. Lord, there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Or as the old King James Version puts it, Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> Lazarus has died, and the processes of biology are taking their course. And this body that his sisters and his friends have loved and cherished, kissed and hugged, is beginning to degrade in a way that is completely natural and also heartbreaking as Lazarus returns to the organic elements from which God made him. Soon, of course, we will hear of another burial, that of Jesus. And it's no accident that Jesus' friends will want to bury him with spices fresh-smelling spices to combat the inevitable odor of death. Probably Lazarus's friends buried him with spices as well. But there's a limit to what spices can cover. And there's something, I think, about this ultimate indignity of the smell of death that points us towards what it is to be human, to be mortal, to be vulnerable, and out of control. Consider how rare, when we're alive, are the times when we willingly let others smell the natural smells that come from our bodies. Of course, a parent will lovingly change a diaper for a young child who's still dependent. And of course, a lover might sometimes inhale the sweaty smell of the beloved and in the right mood, might find it profoundly delightful. But these are times of great vulnerability, of great openness to the other. And most of the time, outside those contexts of profound intimacy, the accidental body odor or bad breath or fart is a source of embarrassment. It's a breach of the social contract we have with each other to not get too close, too embodied, too vulnerable. But then we may find ourselves sometimes in a situation where that adult control over our bodies and our smells that we take for granted are taken away. It may come in a hospital or care facility as others attend to our bathing and our toileting and our intimate bodily needs. As we age, many of us will experience those kinds of situations in different ways. And of course, in the end, when we die, each of us will forever give up control over our bodies to others. Those who must clean us up and put us into our shrouds or our caskets. 
tasks which today in our culture are often handled offstage by professionals, but which in Jesus's and Lazarus's time would have been done at home, would have been familiar to everyone. And so death stinks. It stinks literally and it stinks figuratively. To have to give up those we love, and in the end to have to give up our own selfhood to this force that robs us of our bodies, which is all that we are and all that we have in this world. It's a wrenching grief. Well, this is one of the other things I find most poignant in this story of Lazarus is how frank it is that death is worth crying about. Jesus began to weep. Or again, as the old King James Version has it, Jesus wept. The shortest single verse in all of Scripture. Here is Jesus, about to perform the greatest of all his great signs. He's about to reverse the force of death itself. He's already told his disciples he plans to do it. But still he weeps. Why does he weep? What does it mean that Jesus, who is life itself, who holds power over life and death, still finds this death worthy of tears? Does he weep for his friends, Martha and Mary? for the grief that he knows they are feeling? Does he weep for Lazarus, cold and alone in the tomb? Does he weep perhaps partly for himself, looking ahead, foreshadowing a time all too close at hand when he will struggle in prayer in a garden and long to be released from his own battle with death? Maybe all of these, I imagine, but I imagine that it's more than that, and also simpler than that. I imagine that Jesus cries over this death because death is simply worth crying over. Because death is loss. And loss is tragedy. And to come face to face with it calls for tears. And I find it priceless and too great a mystery to understand that the one who has power to undo this death still takes time to linger over this tragedy. And it says to me that if Jesus is truly the living icon of God, that we have a God who does not meet our own griefs with words like, don't cry, it'll be all right. but that we have a tender God who finds our tears precious and who even when all things will be restored and made right is still able to join in with our tears. A priceless and precious mystery. Death stinks and death is worth crying about. And now, having heard this story of Lazarus, we are ready to look death straight in the eye. 
as we journey with Jesus into the struggle ahead, into the Holy Week that awaits us, into the transformation he undertakes for us. A transformation that gathers up all our humanity, our vulnerability, our undignified flesh, and makes it holy. A transformation that has space for our tears and counts each one as precious. A transformation that is not the avoidance of death, but the journey into it and the trust in God's faithfulness to carry us through it with Jesus to the life that awaits.